Podcast Studios. This, this is After Nine with Scott and Kat. Hey now. Hello, friends. Welcome to After Nine. It is a jam-packed edition, and it's going to get a little controversial, and I love it. First and foremost, I want to say thank you to everybody who listens to the Scott and Cat radio show. If you are a regular listener, maybe this morning you heard not one but two massive concert announcements. Humongous. Yeah, the first one uh, we got to do right at 9 a.m., and that was exciting. People were waiting on it. Maybe some people hate him now. I don't really know anymore. But Justin Timberlake is coming to Toronto. We figured he would be. He announced the first leg of his tour, which only included a Vancouver date. And this is the leg number two, in case you're wondering, and it's October. And then the second big announcement was also probably not a surprise for a lot of people because... Whoever does the Super Bowl halftime show tends to make some form of an announcement, whether it's an album, a tour, or both. And such is the case for Usher. He has his new album coming out soon, and now we know he is going on tour. And yes, indeed, there are two, right as of right now, stops in Toronto. Like that. And by the way, we give away concert tickets on a radio show. We don't tend to do as many giveaways on the podcast, although we kind of talked to Dave about that. We mm-hmm. try to figure out, a, we like to do cash here on the pod because cash is king, right? So we usually do some, if we do anything, cash giveaways. We'll try to get in on that. However, listen to our radio show on Energy 95.3 and 91.5 The Beat in the morning. But hey, the other stations that we're on are also giving them away um, through the mornings in the next little while. So whether you listen to 1031 Fresh Radio out of London or whether you listen to Fresh 93.1 out of Barrie, they're giving some stuff away too. Okay, we got a lot to get to. Like I said, uh, actually, you know what? Before we get to that, Justin Timberlake, do you think he'll do a second show in Toronto? Is there room oh, in the calendar? You know what? I forgot to check that, but when I when I we kind of learn about these things before they really come down. And from what I know, there is wiggle room for that. Yes. Okay. So if it sells out, I think that there's a lot of hesitancy with with Justin Timberlake's team right now because they're not sure how this whole thing with Britney Spears is going. And there's are truly people who are boycotting Justin Timberlake because they're true Britney Spears fans. There's, of course, the same Britney fandom that made her song Selfish number one over his new song Selfish, and her song's like 13 years old, okay? So there's a, a decent group of people who potentially would have maybe gone to the show. Doesn't mean they would have, but who are boycotting. So I think his team is waiting to figure out how these dates settle and, and what gets sold out and what doesn't before they add more dates. So I would have said like even a year ago, yeah, yeah, he'll do another date for sure. It'll sell out. I don't know. I mean, I still think he's a popular artist and there's still going to be people that will buy tickets to see him. No doubt about it. I don't understand as an adult living out that teenage music drama. And and, you know, it's fine. I mean, if you grew up listening to the Spice Girls, maybe today you're, you're still a Spice Girls fan, but to get caught up as an adult in the drama that right. would have enveloped yeah. you as a teenager just seems like a weird thing. If you're an adult boycotting Justin Timberlake because you're Team Britney, I don't know. It seems like in the relationship that they were in, when you cut through all the spin and nonsense, it seems like they were both assholes. And, and it's more than just a boycott. It's like actively going and not doing anything wrong or illegal in a sense. Like they're just purchasing music. That's all they're doing. But by purchasing those Britney songs, they're trying to say everything they want to say against Justin. That's one of the reasons why the rumor is that he wants to do a sit down interview. He was going to ignore the whole thing. But can I just say, if that's the case, Justin, you're the one that fucking brought it up again last week on your birthday, doing a concert saying, I'm going to take the second to apologize to absolutely fucking nobody. Right after Britney Spears said she would, she apologized to anyone she hurt in her book and that she loved the new song. You did that. You're stirring it up just as much as she is. So you're not fucking innocent in the whole thing. Nonetheless, yeah, I think some people will still be really excited to see a show. And I look forward to giving away tickets to a show. Odds style, like Vegas odds. What odds are you giving me for Britney, Justin, co-headlining tour? 
zero. <laughs> zero point zero zero zero. Like you would win a billion dollars if you just dropped one dollar on it. Amazing. Like that's how that's the odds. <laughs> Who would interview Justin Timberlake if he does do the sit down? I know that you mentioned Oprah. I don't know that that's a safe choice because Oprah's fucking weird and and she's hangs out with weird people i think that gail king would make more sense than oprah if he wants to do in that realm it's got to be someone that has to be careful because if it's a there's people who who take it very very seriously the allegations that britney put in her book about him basically making the choice and choosing for her even though it seemed like it was also like whatever she wrote it out to be that way that basically he said we can't have this baby and they terminated the pregnancy because he said Let's not have this baby. So when you're the person interviewing, you have to make sure you're very equal. You're not just there for Justin Timberlake so he can tell his story or else you're going to have people against you too and you run a risk. I could see like a Good Morning America. Yeah, maybe a Gail King, something like that. I don't see it being someone who wants to, who's worried about the reputation or doesn't want to ruffle feathers like hmm. Oprah. I don't think she would do it. No, I, I tend to agree. Uh, either way, I'm curious to see if it goes down because if it does, it'll be before the tour. I would think. He's not going to wait until he's out in the middle of the road and then this shit goes down. I think so. Okay. Actually, you know what? Feeling kind of heated here. The Justin Timberlake thing was a good little (laughs) dip the toe in. Uh Let's go this route. All right. King Charles has been diagnosed with a form of cancer. Buckingham Palace released a statement yesterday saying it was discovered during his recent treatment for an enlarged prostate. They have not specified what kind of cancer the 75-year-old king is facing, but they said he has started treatment. You know, the first thing that went through my mind when I read this story yesterday and the statement from the palace is, wow, it sounds like the king who has access to world-class, round-the-clock, dedicated health care. Maybe got a misdiagnosis. They, they brought him in because he had an enlarged prostate. Once they got in and did the surgery, apparently they discovered something else that is cancerous. Did they miss something in routine screenings? They must have known before they cut him open or did whatever it was they did to his prostate. They were going in for something. Well, here's what I know about anybody who has even has a scare. They don't want to use that word, the C word, when they don't know it's the case. And in a lot of cases, you do biopsies and you wait on results. So it's quite possible that he did have these biopsies or something of the like done previously. So they're not going to announce anything prematurely until they know for certain it is cancer and they know that there's a treatment. So yeah, it's possible he's known that it, there's a potential for cancer for the last little while. But you wouldn't announce that to the world. Nobody does. Even as a person, you're not going to be like, oh, I probably have cancer because they're doing a biopsy. But because you don't know if it's cancer or not and you know, don't know the form of treatment. So yes, I think they probably knew something was possible. That, and, and treatment could be one of many different things as well. There's lots of different treatments depending on what the cancer is and how far gone. They do say it's early stages, which is good news for any anybody hearing that cancer is, I, is a part of them. If there was a concern, though, I mean, the king himself came out and said, hey, listen, I, I've got an enlarged prostate. There's a procedure I'm going to have done that can treat that. And I'm very optimistic and I encourage all men to get their prostate checked uh, in accordance with local public health, I believe was basically what he said. Mm-hmm. Did the doctors know that there was something else in there? Is it related to the prostate? Is it not related to the prostate? And this was a surprise to them too. I, I was just kind of wondering that. If he disclosed part of the, the medical info, you'd think he would have gone a little further. But uh, apparently not. He's got cancer and they're going to treat him. And I'm sure he will get the best of the best world-class care because he's the mm-hmm. king of England and Canada as well. And for those curious on like the drama side of things, Prince Harry is apparently flying out to see daddy, which is good. Megan and the kids will not be joining him or he's already on his way or something like that. But Megan and the kids won't be there. Do you think this is a little more serious than they're letting on? And the reason I ask that is because I also heard yesterday Prince Harry was going to the UK to be with his dad. 
I, I, there's been so many things that have happened that Harry did not want to be a part of or wasn't invited to be a part of. But as soon as the cancer word comes up, bam, he's on a, a jet flying over there right away. Is it yeah. more serious than I mean, you think? I mean, he's in or? his 70s and, he's, and he has cancer. I mean, absolutely. I don't think so. Uh, to answer your question, I don't think there's anything hidden here um, at all. I think that if if you're if it's a loved one, even though their relationship's extremely strained, you still hopefully go and have a chat with that person and make effort with that person. He doesn't want to live with regret if something, God forbid, did happen to his dad. Hmm. I mean, hey, I'm glad that they're getting back together. I wish they would have done this a lot sooner and it didn't take a cancer diagnosis to bring the boys back together. How's the relationship with William now? Last I heard, they weren't even talking to each other. Yeah, I don't think that they need to all be together in the same room, though. This is about him seeing his dad. Doesn't mean they're all going to be together having a kumbaya fire, you know? Interesting. Oh, I'm curious to see how it goes down. But a kumbaya would be interesting with the royal family, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Uh, let's keep going down the, uh, the list of things on the agenda here. For those who haven't noticed, coming up on February 29th, we will mark the leap year. I think everybody knows this, but I'll just go through the motions and say it. Every, uh, was it four years? There's Every a, four years, yeah. There's a 29th day in February. Mm-hmm. And while that really doesn't affect much, it does affect people who are on a salary at work. See, if you get paid a salary, think of all the money you made last year and the number of days you worked. This year, there's one more work day because there's a 29th of February. Typically, after the 28th, we go to March 1st. This year, we go to February 29th before the first. That's the extra day. I asked a simple question on the radio today. Should salaried employees be compensated for working an extra day this year? Hourly employees, as long as they go into work, are going to get paid the hours. So sure, they'll make a little more money. But what about those on salary? Kat, going through my Facebook page, it is remarkable the cross-section of comments. It's amazing to me as well how many people never even thought about that. Yeah, there's an extra day of work. I should get paid for that. And that's understandable because it's not like it's going to be top of your mind all the time. Some people don't even notice it's a leap year until February 29th comes around and they're like, oh shit, it's a leap year? And they, like you said, could you carry on with your day? It doesn't truly affect you in a lot of different ways, but this is one way that you probably never realized it does affect people. If you get paid on the 1st and the 15th of every month, for example... Like you said, the, or sorry, the first and 15th, the, the end, the, whatever the last day of the month is, or the first, whatever it might be for your, you and your company, um, then you're going to get that pay for half a month, which has always been, like you said, to the 28th. So you might not even think about it, especially those who get paid just bi-weekly. There are some people who are just on a bi-weekly run and they think, well, I'm, yeah, but I work Monday to Friday and then I get paid. And I work Monday to Friday and then I get paid. Um, but there is an extra day. Yeah. I mean, for those who have a set amount of money that they make annually, that's based on a year's work. If there's an extra day, I think people should get paid. But how does that work? What does it look like? Uh, a number of people commented on Facebook today that their company doesn't want to pay any extra payroll taxes, i.e. for an extra day of work. So they're getting uh, the day off. Oh, okay. Just, hey, you work Monday to Thursday this week. And if you work the oh, Monday to so Thursday. they're getting like a good day off, not just like a random. Well, they're technically getting an unpaid day, day off. off. Yeah. They get the Friday off, but their salary doesn't change. So Got that it. would be. Got it. Yeah. So then we're square. I think that's fair. But if you do have to work that full week and you don't get a loo day for it or you don't get paid for it, then you worked a day for free. And I just. It's interesting. It is interesting. One of the text comments that came in this morning, and I loved it. I I didn't get a name, but if you're that person who texted in, I think you know who you are, and I appreciate the comment. He said, Scott, some things are not worth 
going after. This is not the hill you want to die on. If you go into work and say, I know I make a salary, but I want more money to work that extra day, you're really just ruffling feathers and causing issues at your workplace. He said, don't open Pandora's box. Just leave well enough alone. Can I tell you, though, that was always my philosophy, and it even is to a large part today. I've always done that. Don't rock the boat. You know what? I'll just sort of fly under the radar. I don't want to be a problem or anything like that. If I have to work, I'll just work. Whatever. It is what it is. If work needs to be done, I'll take it home with me. I don't complain about shit like that. If I have to get stuff done on the weekend, I'll do it on the weekend. But for those who haven't noticed, there's a whole new almost attitude amongst younger adults in the workplace. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that before, for sure. I think most people tend to agree as well. Yeah, there is um, a, a general attitude that you should be paid for everything. You should not do any work that you do not get paid for. And that's just all there is to it. I, I do agree with young people, if those are if that's the best way to say it. Is it young? I agree with people who feel you should get paid for everything you do. But I also think that there is a balance there, and I think it's gone from one extreme to the other. I think there was way too many people, namely Gen X, the boomers, and the millennials, who are just used to doing that now. If shit needs to get done, you take it home and do it at home. If, if something needs to get done on the weekend, eh, suck it up and get a little bit of work done on the weekend. Maybe it'll make your week a little better. That doesn't seem to be the prevailing opinion on younger adults. They're the ones who seem to feel that and maybe rightfully so, they should get paid for it. And I used to sort of, uh, I, I found that to be a little bit of a cringy attitude. Nope, I'm not doing anything unless I get paid for it. But it seems to work for them. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe they're the smart ones. <laughs> you know, I'm starting to wonder. I would never use a sick day if I wasn't actually sick. I, we talked about this just last week. Yeah. Young people treat sick days like they're vacation days. You're entitled 10. Whether you're sick or not, you're yeah. taking your 10 days. Yeah, some people do, but I often wonder if it's the result of a generation before them telling them this, in a way, in a way. And what I mean by that is people who work their ass off and then they go, what do I have to show for it? And then what are they doing? They're sharing their thoughts on that on TikTok, on Instagram, whatever it is, and saying, like, find that work-life balance, trust me. You know, because I see that a lot too. I see 40-somethings going fuck, if I could do it again, I wouldn't, you know, do this, that, and the next thing. So is it a, is there a chance they're just listening to their parents or their, the generation before them, whatever makes sense in that case? Well, they're also heavily influenced by influencers. So all it takes is one person with a lot of followers on TikTok to say, hey, wait a second, why are you replying to emails after 5 p.m.? If an email comes in at 5 p.m., it can wait until 9 o'clock the next day. All it takes is one or two influencers out there thinking like that, and you really can change an yeah. entire generation. So I don't know where it came from, but I'm hating it less and less. You know, I'm starting to wonder if maybe that is the better way to go. Uh, no matter how you feel about that, I think it's worth having a conversation with your workplace about what happens on the 29th. Again, if you're an hourly employee, you're working an extra day this year, but you'll get paid for it because you get paid by the hour. But what about salaried employees? The business is open an extra day, Shouldn't you get paid for it? And if you don't get paid for it, are you okay knowing that you worked a full day for free? No money for it. Just a question to throw out there. I think it's a good thought. Thought starter, for sure. Uh, two things here that I want to mention before we get to the first break. The Ford government unveiled details yesterday of the GTA fair integration policy for transit. And it's going to launch by February 26th, so later on this month. It's called One Fair. And I'll say it. 
it is long overdue. They're going to integrate public transit fares across the GTA. So you only get charged for one trip, regardless of how many buses, subways, or streetcars it takes to get to where you're going, and even if it's through different cities. The government estimates this is going to save the average transit user $1,600 a year. Wow. So, That's a lot of savings. Absolutely. So think of it this way. Maybe you live in, I'll use my example, if I worked in Toronto. I live in Burlington. If I took the GO train down the Lakeshore line to get from Burlington to Union Station, I have to pay the fare. Then if I get on the TTC to get up Bloor Street or whatever, I would have to pay another yeah. fare. Why is that? You should pay one rate to get where you're going. So even though it crosses two different transit systems and it's two different cities, I should be able to pay one fare. And that's what they're going to do. It's, as far as I understand, only going to work with Presto. Okay. But that's good. I think everybody should have a Presto card anyway. I was anyway. going to say, do most have them? I, I think so. If you're a regular uh, transit rider, I assume you do. So that, I think, is a good issue uh, to take on. And I think that'll save people money. And it just makes sense. It's remarkable we didn't do it sooner. However, I'm trying to figure out how they decided the way they're doing it. This involves Go Transit and the TTC. Those are the two biggest transit systems in Ontario. It also includes Brampton Transit, Durham Transit, My Way, and York Region Transit. Mm, okay. Where's HSR in Hamilton? Where's Grand River Transit in Waterloo? Two massive transit systems that also connect with Go. If you live in Mississauga, you'll be able to get anywhere you want to go, basically, if you're going towards Toronto for one fare. But if you live in Hamilton, Burlington, Oakville, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, you're not getting this. And I don't understand why. It's probably too far. In their mind, it's too far. Even though there's a ton of people who commute from those areas daily. That's where the commuters are yeah. coming from, the burbs. But I bet you that's the mindset of like, no, no, no. Because then we have to talk about split. Like, I don't know the, the ins and outs of it, how it works to split basically the money made. I don't know. But some people are stuck in their ways. We've seen this and we know this. I really wouldn't mind just bringing it all under one umbrella. All the transit under one umbrella. Yeah. It would be a massive agency, but yeah. it would just make sense. It, hey, listen, it's not like I want to take London City Transit to a GO station. Actually, I don't even think the GO goes to London anymore. But anyway, uh, I, it's not like I'm going from London to Toronto and I want to pay one fare. It's really not unreasonable to allow people from the West End just like the East End, where they have Durham Transit, the West End should have the same perk. I have to assume they're working on this, and if they're not, why the hell not? This is a great thing. One fare, fully integrated, that's good news. Manulife is now backing off of a move that would require people who are on their drug benefits plans through their work to only fill their prescriptions at Loblaw-owned pharmacies like Shoppers Drug Mart. Manulife now says patients will be able to fill their prescriptions at any pharmacy, just like they used to. Manulife says they saw an intense backlash to the exclusive arrangement they made with Loblaw announced last week. The CEO of Manulife says, we listen to concerns expressed by patients and want to ensure all Canadians under their coverage have choice, access, and flexibility in managing their health. My question would be, mm -hmm. that's what you're saying now. Mm -hmm. A, 
how bad was the backlash? And B, if it really is about giving Canadians control over their health, why did you bring this fucking policy in in the first, in the first place? place? Yeah, you know, my, like money talks sometimes. And all, I'm glad there was the backlash. I'm so glad that there was the backlash. This whole thing didn't seem fair and it seemed off to me. Like to a point where I was like, do we need to investigate this if this does, if this does happen? That's how bad. Yeah. But thankfully they backed out. Fine, good. It was kind of ridiculous to assume that everybody would just be on board with this. Did they actually think that customers who are paying good money off their checks every couple of weeks yeah. would be like, oh, yeah, you want me to go here to get my prescriptions even though I don't like it there? Even though okay, the sure. <laughs> even though the deposit fee is higher there than some other places. And to each their own. You, you go to the place that makes sense for you, and you can look up those fees. They're similar to, to other places, but sometimes they're more. And you just got to wonder. Yeah, I don't know. I, have lo- I had a lot of questions about that, so I'm glad it's not going through. I'd love to talk to somebody who answers phones at Manulife because I'll bet you you got an earful over the last week. People don't like being told what to do, especially with health care and especially for something that they're paying for. Yep. It's not like these benefits are free. They're I- being paid for, and they try to railroad people into going to specific places. There's a billion places I would work before I'd work at the phones at an insurance company. Right. I feel for you guys. If you do that for a living, you deserve a special reward. Because I've, I've had to do all kinds of insurance shit with my trip and, and the kids being sick and stuff. I've been on the phone, still on the phone. Even I got my money back for everything, but still on the phone with people. Oh, sorry, I have to ask you to fill out this paperwork. And this <laughs> and that. Uh, sorry to bug you again. And I'm thinking like, this isn't even what you want to be doing. And you're the one asking for stuff. It's awful. Cat, how about a little blast from the past? A little blast from our not so far away history. To take you back, uh, when was this? This will be three or four months ago. Listen to this. The speaker was solely responsible for the invitation and recognition of this man and has wholly accepted that responsibility and stepped down. This was a mistake that has deeply embarrassed Parliament and the speaker. That was Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, I think, as most people know. That explains the shivers you just got. Um, <laughs> Did you hear about this with the, the, the Nazi that they invited into the House of Commons and yes, gave a standing ovation? Yes, yes, yes. I, yes, I recall all of it. Yeah. I don't know what to do with this fucking guy anymore, Cat. So that was him <laughs> completely roasting the speaker. You mm-hmm. know what? It was so damning. I'm going to play this just one more time. It's 14 seconds. Listen again to Justin Trudeau hang the speaker of the house out to dry, and rightfully so, for inviting a Nazi to the House of Commons. Ex-Speaker of the House, right? Now he is. Ex-Speaker of the House, yeah. The Speaker was solely responsible for the invitation and recognition of this man and has wholly accepted that responsibility and stepped down. This was a mistake that has deeply embarrassed Parliament and the Speaker. Okay. Documents were released yesterday that confirm the Prime Minister's office and... Justin Trudeau specifically (laughs) invited this man. The Speaker of the House wore it for Justin. The Speaker of the House lost his job, lost his driver, lost his office, lost all the shit that comes with being the Speaker of the House. He was the fall guy. We now know it was an access to information request that came out. Justin Trudeau personally invited that guy. Now, when I say personally, there's an asterisk on it. Someone in the prime minister's office invited him 
and they sign the letter Justin Trudeau. Hey, it's supposed to be a big deal. We're having a reception with the the leader of Ukraine, and we know you have some Ukrainian heritage, so we want you to come to this, sign Justin P. Trudeau. That's how those letters go. It's a big deal. Oh, my God, the prime minister invited me to a party. Justin Trudeau doesn't look at that guest list, but his staff does. Is it? And But, yeah, yeah. That's who I sent mean, the letter. I don't know. I know. Who looks into everything, though? There's probably a bunch of things that already that did slide through the cracks we don't even know about. Oh, there's a ton there's of tons, things. There's tons. Listen, the point here is, again, he fucking lied. He lied to people again. And this wasn't just a little white lie. This was a doozy. He knew full well his office invited that Nazi to the House of Commons. When Justin Trudeau led the charge to give that asshole a standing ovation, his staff knew that this guy was going to be there. For him to hang the Speaker of the House out to dry, poor Anthony Rhoda, guy lost his job. All to cover up because Justin Trudeau's office screwed up and they didn't want to admit it. What would the right thing to do have been? It would have been, this is deeply embarrassing. This was a horrible mistake. This never should have happened. We accept responsibility. We will find out how this happened and ensure it never happens again. That's what they had to say. But nope, he let the speaker take the fall for it. And the guy lost his job when Trudeau knew all along, not only was it not the speaker, it was him personally that invited him. Crazy. Uh, I don't want to do the fossil story yet. We might, though. An interesting court case wrapped up yesterday, Cat, when judges concluded casinos have no legal obligation to stop compulsive gamblers from betting. Not in Atlantic City, anyway. A federal judge dismissed a lawsuit from a self-described problem gambler who accused the Borgata and its parent company, MGM Resorts International, of plying him with gambling ads and offers hmm. despite him know- them knowing he has an addiction. The judge said the rules and regulations that govern gambling don't impose a legal duty on casinos to cut off compulsive gamblers. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this for a second. So MGM knows they got a good customer over there. They know this guy is a gambler. Yeah, he's dropping dough. And, <laughs> it probably doesn't belong to him. And the gambler wants to gamble because they're addicted to gambling. And I understand that too. Whose job is it to say when enough's enough? Because apparently the casino just let this guy keep gambling. He lost a shit ton of money and tried to sue. And the judge said, no, it's not the casino's fault that you can't stop gambling. Yeah, I side with the judge fully. Really? Yep. No sympathies. I, I don't have sympathies, but you know what? It's, it's, it's based on my own beliefs in life. I, I, am I addicted to anything? Maybe coffee. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> coffee. Uh, no, but sincerely, and I, I, I understand that, that there are addictions like this, but you are in control of yourself. You, even, the, even the moments you feel you're like you're not in control, there's ways to help. We have a lot of resources these days. Whether, you're, whether you uh, know that you have a problem drinking, whether you know it's gambling, whether you know that you're, whatever the case is, you're an addict to something, there's resources that are, are available. And as an adult, you can make those decisions. We all do. And there are people who are recovering addicts that can help and that have been in those shoes before. It can't be on the casinos who are perfectly legal business to, in, to be in charge of your account. They're not your fucking banker. They're not your personal assistant. They're there for you to gamble. And if you know that you are an addict, then do your, like, you, you got to find the right resources around you. And like I said, there are a ton. I just don't have sympathy for it, guys. I don't. And then again, it's maybe it's a place where I come from because I'm, I don't, I don't have that. 
I have the ability to control myself. I know some people will say that they have no ability at all, but there's lots of different resources and ways that 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 you can be helped. And the casino can't be blamed. Is the point? Okay, that's a fair a fair take, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that would agree with you. But let me phrase it a different way. Right now, bars, any place that serves alcohol, has an obligation to cut you off when they think, based on their training, that you've had too yeah. much. Yeah. So is there? Because th- that's alcohol, and this is gambling. Not the same. You don't think so? Not even close. They're liable. Those bars and restaurants are absolutely liable if you leave their establishment inebriated, if you kill somebody, God forbid, if you get into any form of an accident, they're liable. The casino is not liable. That's It's a totally different rule and situation. You can't come back and be like, can I get a ret- return on that? Like, I didn't actually mean to gamble away my savings account. That's never been the case. We're talking about life or death with alcohol consumption and drug consumption versus casino use, for example. No one's dying. It's not a situation where they should be liable. So I do not think they are apples to apples at all. Interesting. Okay. Hey, fair points. I uh, I don't even know how I feel about it, but I think that if I had to choose, I'd probably flip it around. I personally don't think it's a bar's responsibility to control someone's drinking. I think if somebody comes in and they're obviously intoxicated and you still serve them more and don't take the appropriate steps to make sure that they're not driving, that's a problem. However, I have a lot of sympathy for bars who have been dragged through the mud because someone had been drinking somewhere else, didn't show any sign of intoxication, and we all know a drunk Mm -hmm. that is pretty good at covering up the fact that they're drunk. Sure. The the bar would have had no way of knowing. Or clubs. There's like 2,000 people in one room. Yeah. And people just go from bar to bar to bar. You have no way of knowing how much alcohol they've had. I don't think it's reasonable to expect bars in every scenario to keep track of how many drinks a customer's had. Right. However, when it comes right. to a casino, I would think it's a little bit easier. I think those gambling cards that you get from the Falls View and Rama and all that sort of shit... I think that if you want to gamble, one of those cards should be like your Ontario gambling card, and it can keep track of how many casinos you visit, things like that. Maybe that's how they they base the rewards and stuff off of that. They're not. Like, I mean, I I disagree. I mean, they're there for your entertainment. And really, if you're not an addict, that's what it is. It's entertainment to you. You could walk by a million things a day that you could be addicted to, that being one of them. I don't think it's their job to worry about your fucking savings account or what's on your credit card or if you own your house or not or if your family's going to disown you or not. It's not their job. They're there for entertainment. That was always the initial purpose of a casino. Okay. An Ontario court is set to hear a constitutional challenge to our panhandling laws that advocates say infringe the rights of the most vulnerable members of society. The challenge against the Safe Streets Act prohibits soliciting in an aggressive manner in public spaces. It's being heard this week in the Ontario Superior Court. Right now, violations of that law come with a maximum fine of $500 for a first offense, maximum fine of $1,000 or imprisonment for up to six months for subsequent offenses. The Fair Change Legal Clinic is doing this one, I'll assume pro bono. They're arguing that the law violates charter rights, including freedom of expression and the right to not be subjected to cruel and unusual punishment. Now, I'm going to say it's a bit of a stretch. I don't like it. Well, actually, now I don't really have a problem with it because I think I'm just used to it. Have you noticed how many people are standing in on the island in intersections right now with their a hat out or a bucket out yeah. trying to collect anything? Yeah. A little bit of change, a little bit of money. They're doing that because they need it. Let's not twist it. 
if somebody is willing to stand in the middle of an intersection with a sign and, and a bucket and they're just looking for change, they're not doing that for fun. That is not the way to, to make yourself rich and prosper greatly. Why would anyone do that unless they actually needed the money? However, the law reads right now, aggressive behavior. I remember it. They brought in the law because there were so many squeegee kids out there. We all remember. Right. I think everybody remembers that. You would go downtown Toronto and there was always a couple <laughs> of intersections where as soon as you got to a red light, bam, you were getting swarmed by homeless people that wanted to squeegee your window. And they never <laughs> said, you know, you, you got pay me and I'll do it. They went and started squeegeeing it. And then ask for money. Yeah, you got to give yeah. me money. I just cleaned your car. And that was at a time, by the way, where people did carry around cash quite frequently, yes. especially in their cars. Right. You don't get that as much now. Right. And, and I always used to just wave them off. Hey, nope, nope, no. Except in the rare cir circumstance when I actually did need my window cleaned, in which case they provided a very valuable service. It was great. So that's why we have this law. Is it actually unconstitutional, though? That's what I'm trying to figure out here. Freedom of expression. Is that expressing yourself? I don't feel like it is expressing yourself, standing uh, on the side of the road with a hat out asking for spare change. Or is it the signs that are expressive? Some signs are interesting. Yeah. Some of them, they'll tell you the whole life story they'll if you've you got the, time to read it. You don't, and you usually don't. You're usually driving by like, I can't, I can't read it all. <laughs> What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> Others are just pretty straightforward, right? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Freedom of expression, it's interesting. Um, I don't know, but to answer your initial question, for sure, though, Scott, you see more and more. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. everywhere. Doesn't matter that it's winter. Doesn't matter. And I, I do give where I can. I do. And I, and I just because I like to be optimistic and think that it is going to, you know, feed you. And, and, and maybe that's very naive, right? But I'll continue to do it if I've got change in my car. I think part of the problem here is, well, we all remember the shaky lady. People used to give this woman money every day until finally somebody decided, huh, I wonder where she lives. I wonder what, what her life is like and followed her. Mm -hmm. And it turned out she was driving a fucking Mercedes or something yes, like that. I remember that. Remember in Vancouver, there were a couple of stories that came out of Vancouver when the panhandling was like crazy then. Uh -huh. And similarly, someone followed them. They had a job. That's what it was. Like they had a, a very good job during the day and panhandled at night just for extra cash. But again, like, it's so hard because you don't want to judge. Like, who's to say, to go back to our other story, that they're not an addict of, 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 of any kind, but they still have a, there's a lot of addicts out there, by the way, that have a regular Monday to Friday job, but realize they need to make quick cash for whatever reasons. It could be that reason. For me, again, like, I don't care. I don't care enough to be like, where do you live? And tell, show me that you live in squalor or I'm not giving you a dime. <laughs> like, I'm not doing that. That's not happening. If I've got some money, here you go. Because like you said, you're standing out in the cold, you're standing out in the rain. Uh, or in the heat in the summertime, like sometimes there's just scorching temperatures. So I, you know, I, I'm, I'm there for it. I will continue to do it. I don't know where it's going to. I like to just have a little bit of positivity, I suppose. When I was doing the clubs in Toronto, uh, and I was doing like five a week at yeah, one point. Yeah, yeah. You had a crazy schedule for a while there. I was downtown a lot. And I used to go to an ATM once a week. And I would pull out, most weeks I did 50 bucks in $5 bills. Sometimes I would do a little more, sometimes a little less. But I kept that money in the, um, you know, the armrest there to the yeah. left when you're in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. I had a little slot there where I kept the $5 bills. And if somebody came up and knocked on the window or said, hey, bro, can you spare some change, whatever, I would always give them a $5 bill. And I did that, A, because it was good karma. B, because I still believe nobody would do that unless they absolutely needed to do that. That can't possibly be the choice to mm -hmm. earn income. I just don't see it. And 
I felt good after that. Yeah. You know, it was good karma. And maybe they bought booze with it. Maybe they bought drugs with it. I don't yeah. know how many drugs you can buy for $5. But either way, uh, it was good for me. And it was a good system, too. It was also a good way for me to keep track of how much I was spending on this. Because sometimes if you just get in the habit of, sure, 5 bucks, 2 bucks, whatever, you look back at the end of the month and realize, fuck, I just lost like $300. <laughs> but there's that many people yeah. that need it. Let's go to the Super Bowl. It is happening on Sunday. Many people are superstitious, particularly people whose team is playing in the game on Sunday. I got a lot of Chiefs fans that are friends that might not be after Sunday. Oh, no. Because they're really fucking obnoxious about this. Are you watching it with them? No. Uh, Ah, one. One I am. Yeah, yeah, he's coming over. Normally, I end up at somebody else's house for Super Bowl. This year, first time on my basement. It's like oh, everybody okay. just realized, shit, Scott's got a 101-inch TV in his basement. We should go there. Yeah, how come he never invites us? So they're inviting themselves over. They invited themselves, yeah. <laughs> One of them is a Chiefs fan. Uh, when it comes to superstitions, though, some people believe, right or wrong, that certain foods bring good luck. Oh, certain foods. Okay. Pizza is the number one go-to for people on Super Bowl Sunday. It's also one that people feel is good luck. Followed by hot dogs. Then burgers, chips, popcorn, chicken wings, ice cream, chicken sliders, cupcakes, and cookies. Okay. Bad luck foods. You ready for it? Oh, my gosh. There's a list of bad luck foods? Okay. Sure. What do people say? The worst is deviled eggs. (gasps) I feel like people do that at Super Bowl parties. Yeah. I've never bought a tray of deviled eggs anywhere. Because it stinks. It's, yeah. They're delicious, but it stinks. <laughs> it's, a st- it's a stinky app to, to offer up. Oh, did you bring food that'll make the whole house smell? Great. Yeah, Thank thanks. you. Thanks. Awesome. Why don't you just boil them in the kitchen, too, while you're at it? <laughs> just do it all right here. <laughs> garlic bread was second, followed by... Garlic bread? Okay, well, wait. Pizza's good luck, but garlic bread is bad luck. Are you guys keeping track? Okay. Yeah. Uh, garlic bread was number two as the second most avoided game day food, followed by salsa and queso dip. What? Yep. Ice cream, chicken wings, mozzarella sticks, sliders on the good list. It can be both depending on the person. (laughs) This isn't good luck and bad luck food. This is just people's preferences. Trail mix, pretzels and pasties. (laughs) Oh, those are meat pies. Nobody wants, by the way, don't you fucking put out on your table at your Super Bowl party, plain pretzels. Do people like that? Just eating pretzels? Yeah, never, why wouldn't you? Really? Yeah. Just just pretzels? Yeah. And what do you have beer with it though, right? Like you're not just eating pretzels. I'll pair beer with just You'll about any. I'll pair yeah, beer with ice cream if I have to. Like or plain chips. Are we a fan of that or no? Plain like, chip, salted plain chips? That's the universal thing. Not everybody likes all dressed or ketchup or sour cream and onion or whatever. So yeah. you just put out plain chips and it's boring, but it's it's fine. Okay. Good, not great. Same with like Tostitos and all that shit. It's like it's fine. It's fine. And if you have salsa with it, people will either eat it with salsa or not, but it's boring. Easy, fancy. You're putting out the salsa as yes, well? Yes, of course. Wow, look of at course. you. Of course. I don't invite a lot of people over for the Super Bowl. In fact, I, I, I have it made in the shade because people know I'm not a sports fan. So if they want to hang out with me for the Super Bowl, I tell them you can absolutely come over. You can even watch the game itself. <laughs> but <laughs> after... Usher this year, for example, is off that stage. I'm shutting this thing off and I'm going to bed and you get the fuck out of my house. Right. And she'll say it just Just like like that. that. Yeah. (laughs) Local states of emergency remain in effect in parts of Cape Breton after three straight days of snow. It's worse than we thought. Cape Breton and Sydney were hit particularly hard by this little burst of 
ocean snowfall. I don't know if it's a little burst. Over 100 centimeters of snow. That's insane. Halifax got more than 50 centimeters of snow. What the hell? Dude, it's so bad. So I have a, I have a new neighbor, new neighbor alert, nice guy, and, and we chat now and again. He was telling me he has uh, family in Halifax, in the area of, or the area of Nova Scotia that's that's got the worst one. And it's so bad to a point where I guess they didn't really have time to brace for how much snow this was. So you couldn't, you can't get anything delivered to your house. You're basically at, when it comes to food, whatever's in your house. So they started doing grocery swapping on their street because nobody can get out and nobody can get into their street yet. So they're literally like, we'll trade you a can of tuna for... <laughs> For like a can of corn. Okay. I've got a, uh, some frozen chicken tenders. I'll trade you that for a bag of milk or whatever the hell else they're doing. <laughs> hey, you got to get creative in do. a situation it, like yeah, that. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. What What really shocked me is there's no moving. Like, yeah. It's not yeah. like, ah, yeah, whatever. It's not that bad. I'll just sneak out to Longo's or something like that. No, you're not it's going not fucking like anywhere. No. The roads are impassable yeah. until they can get a front-end loader down your street. And that's the only way to do it. A plow is really struggling to move 100 centimeters of snow at a time. Yeah. It can only do very, very small amounts because mm-hmm. it's so much snow. I'm sure it's, we've it's had insane. that amount on the ground here at some point. I just don't ever remember it. That would be like a record snowfall if we did. Like that's a. That, I'm not complaining anymore. Like if we get like <laughs> if we get like a 20 centimeter hit, I'm knocking on something. Don't worry, guys. I'm not complaining because that's a, that's crazy. Finally, I'm going to mention this because I like some of this geeky stuff. A mysterious fossil uncovered in New Brunswick seven Ooh. years ago has been found to reveal an extinct tree from 350 million years ago. Whoa, they can find that out? Yeah. Neat. So get that. Actually, that's what my son does. I was texting with him last night about it. I'll read you what he sent me in a sec. Uh, This tree, which had a, try and picture this, very narrow trunk and then a pom-pom-like top Hmm. is a remnant from a time before the dinosaurs walked the earth, according to a paper published last week in the journal Current Biology. That opens the window to a world of plants during the Carboniferous period, hmm. when New Brunswick was a tropical island situated within 10 degrees of the equator. Okay. A tree going extinct. You don't, you don't often hear about that, but now that you brought that to light, do they know about a lot of extinct trees when you were reading about this? Did you find that out? Uh, here, let me see what my son said. He's uh, I'm curious about extinct trees. Cause could you imagine? I, I mean, I, who knows if that would make a difference or not, but the, could there, could there have not been fruit on those trees? Could there have not been, you know, something on those trees of resource too? Well, this carboniferous period mm-hmm. was 300 million to 360 million years ago. They say in areas where New Brunswick would have been at that time, and again, New Brunswick wasn't right off the east coast of Canada. It was down near the equator at the time, or the equator was flipped around. Like we said, the earth is always changing. So uh, they say it was two meters tall, this tree. It had a bottle brush canopy with about 250 leaves that came off like a pom-pom. Now, what's weird about this is... It would have grown side by side with ferns, with spores of millipedes and giant salamander-like creatures. Sounds like hell, doesn't it? Sounds like a Star Trek episode. It actually does. How do they know this, though? Uh, You know what I mean? Like, how do they know about these trees? It was perfectly fossilized in New Brunswick. Just So the whole thing? 
It's they, just in existence there, even though it doesn't exist. The fossil was preserved in a 3D-like state discovered seven years ago in New Brunswick in a quarry. It's fucked up. It indicates that this extinct tree had a narrow top and a top like a pom-pom. However, it did not evolve and died off, which is what happens to many species. Okay. They didn't evolve and they died off. So I ran it by my son, because like I said, that's what he does. And he says, that's when all the coal that exists on Earth today was formed. It's lucky that that thing actually fossilized or we'd never know about it. It yeah. would have turned into a clump of coal. Yeah. And how many more are they? Like uh, like that or a different type. But we just happen to know about this because it was discovered. It's it, interesting. And eh? perfectly fossilized. It's like the animals too when you hear about, and, and they're discovering new, I, I get really into the new animals um, insects, anything like that, that they're discovering as well. Whether they're alive, like at the bottom of the ocean is usually where you find all the new weird fucking shit that you didn't know existed. Scary place. Scary place. I hate that. I hate the thought of it. it freaks me out. The ocean doesn't also, like you very much either. I, I think, so and that's know. fine. Yeah. You know what? The ocean and I can stay apart, but I like looking at it. I like looking at it. I'm dipping my toes in it maybe. But anyway, so that and the amount of insects that they find, it's fossilized. Nine times out of 10, it's a fossilization. I saw one, um, a praying mantis though. I mean, we have praying mantises. We know what they're like. But that was discovered that was thousands, hundreds of thousands of years old. Just perfectly encapsulated in whatever the fuck it was. It looked like from Jurassic Park. It looked like it was sap, but I don't know what it was. It was some form of a rock, but you could see right through it. And I thought, how fucking cool, but weird is that? And how about, okay, I'm going off into a tangent. We don't need to talk about this today. But like the mummified people thing, does that fuck you up a little bit? Like when they find the body of like that, that hunched over girl, look it up, Google it. The girl that was hunched over, that was mummified in a tomb they recently found. How's that shit not freak people out? Like they're just coming up close to it. And I'm like, you leave that fucking thing alone. You step back out of that cave. You don't touch her. Her fucking grandparents and great grandparents will come to haunt your ass. Don't fucking touch her. It's insane the way that they can do that. Anyway, that stuff is very interesting to me. I love that sort of thing. So I did want to mention it here on the pod. Guys, we got to go. It has been a time. Thank you for listening to After 9. We have more episodes coming out throughout the week. And don't forget, our radio shows have got Justin Timberlake and Usher tickets that we are giving away. Yeah, in the next couple of weeks, we'll have those and all the other concerts that will be announced inevitably. Have a good day, friends.